Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Am I ready? Yes, I'm ready. Am I nervous? Yes, I'm nervous. I'm hyper and I'm ready and I'm nervous, but I know how much to sleep. I got so much to burn that I don't think anybody can touch the Macho Man Randy Savage, the number one wrestler in the world, and I'm going to prove it tonight. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy Q. Here we go. Kicking off hour number three of the show. That was a fantastic intro, and in that fantastic intro apparently is custom made by my man Demond. so uh, we're going to tie this together, I promise. Richard Deitch from The Athletic joins us now on the phone lines, and Richard, thanks so much for your time. Demond asked me to ask you, because I'm, I'm lost, like a ball in high weeds, he said, can AI do that? AI can do that. Uh, first of all, shout out to Demond. that was very nice of him to do, but uh, you know, on yet another board evening, I decided to uh, play on chat G. GPT and see if uh, how how AI would do a Macho Man wrestling promo, and then tweeted it out. I mean, obviously, it's a pretty terrible promo by AI, but the, the fact that they could do it, and the fact that AI does have some of the Macho uh, Man like kind of sayings like uh, uh, "dig it, cream of the crop," etc. You know, cream of the crop. Uh, it's <laughs> pretty unbelievable that machine learning can do that. So, well, yeah, it's not any kind of promo that. Uh, would be memorable, like Hard Times by Dusty Rhodes or something like that. It, uh, it's still pretty remarkable that you could literally type that in to uh, artificial intelligence, and it will, it will literally give you like a four-verse promo. From yeah. Randy Savage. No, that was that was going to take our job soon. That was pretty <laughs> impressive because I thought it was the I thought it was the Macho Man. I, I really did. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was uh, Macho Man created by Google. Wow, wow, yeah, Demond's right. Going to take our job sooner rather than later. So let's go ahead and do our job again. Richard Deitch from the Athletic joins us on the phone lines here on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. We want to talk to you about the you know the business side and sports media and all that. And of course, you got the sports media podcast. Do a fantastic job on that. When you look at the NFL. And where they're going, they have the Black Friday's game by uh, Amazon. They just said the the Peacock game is going to be the wild card game exclusively streamed there. Is this where the NFL is going with all these different streaming platforms? Like, are, Is there a time that we're going to see this all the time? Yeah, I mean, the, the short answer is the answer to all your questions is money. Right. Anytime the NFL can take its inventory and uh, create something beyond that, um, that's what they're going to do. So, you know, the Peacock game... Essentially, it's inventory that already exists with the NFL. What they simply decided to do is they decided to put it behind a paywall for $110 million. So you're getting extra, you're getting significant extra income from, uh, you know, one of the places that you may want to be in business with for the next 20 years. The reality is, like, streaming exists. The NFL ultimately will have to make a decision. It's not going to be anytime soon, but ultimately we'll have to make a decision. 15, 20, 25 years from now, do they decide to put their product behind streaming services because free-to-air TV isn't what it is today? And so it's a test. You know, it's a test to see how many people will uh, will watch the Peacock game, how many people will subscribe to Peacock game. Black Friday, sort of same idea. Um, they created this new franchise for Amazon, um, a rights holder partner that's really important to them because that's new money in the same way Peacock is. And, yeah, you're going to start to see you know, you're never going to see like the Super Bowl or the playoffs or anything like that behind a paywall. Okay. But over the next couple of years, you will start to see more regular season games. Not a ton, but more regular season games um, going on streaming services because I think the NFL is going to um, do some experimentation in terms of how that will work. You know, it's funny. You mentioned the Super Bowl, and that was my next question. I asked it the other day on the show. Is there a chance that 25, 30 years from now the Super Bowl is on pay-per-view? 
You know, I, I I would be stunned. I mean, you know, you never say never because like who, you know, if you would ask me 30 years from now, like, we'll be, will we be watching, uh, you know, something on a streaming product? It would have been like, what is a streaming product? Right. So you never really know. Um, but I don't think so. I think that sport is the one sport that I think will try for as long as possible to be on over the air television, at least for the Super Bowl and conference finals. I don't think they want to get into like any kind of regulatory problems. You know, I mean, honestly, like the Super Bowl goes to pay-per-view, you got some crazy congressperson who starts, like, yapping in Congress <laughs> and then tries to screw around with the NFL. You know what I mean? It's just, it's yep. not, the juice isn't worth the squeeze, so to speak, on that one. So I don't see it. Um, and also, until the television universe, um, when it comes to, like, watching over-the-air television, like, when I say over-the-air, I mean, like, ABC, Fox, NBC, CBS, like, until that is significantly dropped... Uh, there's not really a reason to go on pay-per-view. Uh, the, the, these media companies will still pay enough money where it's not like you're leaving too much money off the table for a pay-per-view presentation. So, yeah, I don't see it. I don't, not Certainly not within 20 years, you know. Yeah. 50 years, I mean, you know. Who knows? You could have robots playing. You know, I, it's just too hard to predict. <laughs> right, and I don't think I'll be here behind the mic talking about it in 50 years anyway, <laughs> so it won't really bother me a whole hell of a lot. Again, Richard Deitch is our guest from the Athletic here on Radio Nation Radio 920. DeMond's got one for you. When it comes to the big networks and their airing of games, is there any behind-the-scenes jockeying that goes on when it comes to, no, we want this game here, and you can say that the NFL is favoring this network by the primetime games that they're giving them? Yeah, I would, first of all, the behind-the-scenes jockeying, for sure. Every single network makes a request list to the league, whether it's for a specific team, whether it's for, like, a specific window. Um, you know, like, if you're Fox, like, they'll tell the NFL, we really want um, a lot of Cowboys games on the, you know, as much as we can on the 425 p.m. Eastern time window because that's the most-watched window on television. Like, ESPN um, made the request to the NFL. They really wanted Aaron Rodgers' first home game. And then the NFL really took care of him because that first home game was against the Bills. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, they make the request. Um, and then the NFL has to f- sort of figure out, and this is, they have a lot of very smart people who do this, you know, how can you create a schedule which takes care of all your partners as best as possible um, and still um, follows all the rules that, you know, you have to have in terms of the limits on primetime games and, and stuff like that. But, yeah, they, the, all the networks make requests. Um, and there's some politics on that too. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to request 50 different things because it makes the NFL schedule making job really hard. You basically request a couple of things that you really, really want that are really, really important to your network, and then you hope that the NFL takes care of you. We're going to be coming up on the first season of the NFL Sunday Ticket not being on DirecTV. Last night we saw the disastrous, you know, Little Mermaid debacle when people were trying <laughs> to watch the NBA playoffs and all they could get was the Little Mermaid trailer. Should the NFL have some trepidation about this YouTube TV deal after what happened last night? I mean, you know, I was asked that a number of times today, and, like, I kind of understand it. Um, but, you know, I think <laughs> the reality is, like, these things are going to happen. Um, streaming is not perfect. There are going to be times when all the tech companies have issues. I don't think the NFL should worry because I think we are still dealing with still dealing with Google, YouTube. This is a massive technology company. You know, a company that money's not really an issue when it comes to spending. Um, so yeah, I'm sure they paid attention to it. But again, like what the NFL by and large usually cares about is does has the check cash. And that was a pretty nice check for them to get for that property. So I don't think they're worried, but my only caveat would be, like, you know, if it's week three 
and like all of a sudden like that happens with like you know Chiefs whatever, uh, yeah, then they'll mm-hmm. be concerned and there'll be a calls with YouTube and be like, guys, let's make sure this doesn't happen again. But no, I don't think they're that concerned because honestly, I don't expect this to be any kind of regular occurrence. Not not with YouTube. I think you know maybe another streaming service or something like that. <laughs> Maybe, but not with YouTube. And then when it comes to the upfronts that happened a couple of days ago, a lot of media companies putting on display, hey, their new lineups. What do you think about ESPN shelling out that top dollar money for Pat McAfee? We've seen the recent layoffs, but it looks like they're going more to a strategy of we just want to pay the top guys top guy money. Yeah, I think you hit it. I mean, they're, you know, they've become a place where um, they're going to spend significant money when it comes to people who they think are differentiators. And they think that McAfee can do that for them. So they purchased essentially all of what McAfee does um, as a whole, uh, you know, piece of property. Uh, they clearly paid him, I'm sure, either what FanDuel paid him or much more. And I think it'll probably work. I mean, you know, usually with ESPN, the thing that really sort of bothers them or scares them a little bit is like political talk. That's not really McAfee's thing. Mm-hmm. McAfee's like, biggest sort of thing, or bugaboo, is he curses a lot. And it's honestly not that hard to sort of just tone that down. So I think initially it'll work, and then the real question will be, um, you know, do they continue to give him the creative freedom that, um, that he clearly has with his show now? But if you're Pat McAfee, total no-brainer. You can't turn that down. I mean, one, it's just an incredible money, amount of money, and two, ESPN will provide you with the resources, distribution, and all that stuff that you absolutely cannot get now with Fandu. Right, and it's something that they've already done with the Paul Feinbaum show. That was a show that was, you know, by itself, and and now it's under the Disney umbrella as well. I did want to ask you about ESPN, about the report that came out today reportedly preparing direct-to-consumer launch. What exactly does that mean? Well, you know, I would say hold off, at least at the moment, Okay. in terms of um, thinking that that's going to happen immediately. What they're talking about is at a certain point, they're going to take all of their best programming, so college football playoffs, uh, NBA conference final, you know, NHL conference final, whatever's on ESPN um, that's not on ESPN+, and then eventually move everything to ESPN+. So all the linear programming that you are used to watching as an ESPN um, cable customer, essentially, mm-hmm. It will all go to ESPN Plus, and then they will sell you ESPN DTC, meaning direct to consumer. So there'd be a price, whatever it is. Let's just sort of pretend for the moment here $40 a month, $50 a month, $70 a month, $30 a month, whatever it is. You, as a person who no longer is part of cable, or if you're really young, you never had cable, you could buy ESPN directly, and you'll be able to watch ESPN directly on your laptop or phone. And so they will sell you the channel directly as opposed to you having to go through a cable carrier to get it. So that's what that story was about today. Okay. All right. There you go. All right. So I've got to ask you this. Uh, we started this with the Open. You're obviously a wrestling guy. So I've got to ask you about, you also spoke to the COO of Endeavor. How important or how big is the business of professional wrestling as we also see Warner Brother Discovery giving AEW another TV show? Is wrestling really that big of a business, or is it just cheaper to produce than regular TV? No, it, yeah, it's a it's a billion dollar business with a B. Um, you know, Endeavor valued the WWE at nine billion dollars. So, you know, wrestling um, for Endeavor isn't just um, what you see on Fox and on SmackDown and on Peacock, right? There's live shows, uh, there's merchandise, there's licensing. Uh, you know, there's the ability to create so many 
additional brands that are touched by the branding of WWE. So both businesses are billion-dollar businesses. I would say AEW is a, bi- a billion-dollar business as well. Where they're really advantageous is they're a lot cheaper to produce than scripted television. And they also, like, take a lot of the inventory up. You know, if you're Fox, you're getting 52 um, weeks of live programming uh, for SmackDown. You know what I mean? It's live programming um, that if you're a wrestling fan, you have to watch. You can't really DVR it because, generally speaking, you probably want to watch it um, existing live. Um, And that's really valuable, you know, to get 2 million viewers in in a 2023 universe um, where you're not paying, um, you know, a crazy amount of money for scripted programming. Um, it's a valuable proposition if you're a Fox where you really are trying to, you know, go big on news and sports. And it's the same premise for, um, for NBC. Um, Peacock for them is essentially, you know, they have the Premier League, but I would probably argue that um, they've probably gotten more subscribers because they have the WWE as opposed to Peacock or soccer or anything else. So, that's been a really important business for NBC because I think that's what's been driving uh, the most Peacock subs. So, yeah, the, the, it's a long answer to answer your question. It, it's a billion-dollar business and, and a big one. All right, so when it comes to that merger between the UFC and WWE that Endeavor was able to pull off, how profitable is that business going to be, and is there going to be any synergy between the two brands? Yeah, impossible to know how profitable it will be, right, because they, they haven't closed yet, and we don't know what the Endeavor – plans are. Um, Endeavor, if you were talking to an Endeavor person, they would tell you, look what we did with the UFC when we bought it, and look what it's valued at now, right? It's, it's significantly higher value than when Endeavor first bought it. And the Endeavor playbook is going to be, we can figure out ways to monetize the WWE that they couldn't before. We can reduce a lot of, um, I mean, let's just be sort of blunt, they're going to lay off a lot of people because they believe, I am sure, that they have already the resources in place that can do a lot of the things um, for both companies, as opposed to just those individual companies um, assigning that to individual workers. Um, Endeavor's been very, very successful in terms of negotiating media rights, and when it comes to the WWE, that, that's really where their biggest cash cow is going to come in. they got to figure out in 2024, um, you, you know, does Fox and NBC want to retain them? If they don't, you know, where do they go? Do they go to another uh, legacy media place, or do they... You know, I don't know. So I had to go to Amazon or Apple or someplace like that. Um, so, so we don't know. You know, the, the short answer is we don't know how um, Endeavor is going to make them more or less profitable. But, you know, Endeavor has a history when it comes to combat sports. And I think that's why Endeavor thought that the fit would be good. You know, they, they've already, they've really changed the game when it comes to UFC. And they think they can do that with WWE. Only two more questions for you, Richard. I've got to ask, what do you think has been the reason for the NBA to see the record ratings that they have with the past semifinal series? I think uh, a lot of it is matchups. Um, the Lakers are a great viewership team. Uh, the Celtics are a great viewership team. The Sixers are a great viewership team. The Golden State Warriors obviously are a great viewership team. So you had a lot of good teams in these playoffs, and you had a lot of long, a series that went long, including Warriors and Lakers. Um, the games have been really, really good. And really, really interesting. So I think that's bringing people um, to the table. Viewership uh, now gets a little bit of a bump because Nielsen um, has a better measurement for out-of-home viewership, which is really important to sports. And out-of-home viewership means that you count bars, you count airports, hotel rooms, or at least you you have a better estimation of it. You can't obviously count everybody because we don't have chips in our head. But it's all sampling. 
but they have a better sampling system when it comes to this, and, and sports generally has been overcounted. Um, and then, you know, I, I think we're just as in general as a society, we're getting back into the rhythms post-COVID. And I think, you know, uh, June has always been a month where people, I think, look forward to the NBA uh, playoffs. Same thing if you're a big hockey fan. And so I think there's a number of factors. But to me, big factor number one has been uh, really good matchups and the league's best stars playing deep in the playoffs. Most important question before we let you go, which member of the Roy family is going to be on top at the end of the session? <laughs> it's a good uh See, really, the only question that matters in this entire interview. Um, yeah, none of them, by the way, are rootable at this point anymore. I would right. I think everybody would agree or likable. That said, I'll go off the board and predict Shiv ends up winning whatever winning. Like I think, if you watch that series, I don't think anybody's going to win because I think at their core, they're all horribly um, flawed and um, emotionally damaged people. But within that ecosystem, I am taking the sister to win over the two brothers. That, that is my prediction. Woo, that's a hot take right there. Q doesn't watch TV, so he's lost about yeah, what we're talking about. Hey, look, but yeah. Richard, that's a hot take, Q. That's a hot take. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, it's, it's, it, is, it is. For those who don't watch your session, it really is a great show. But I would recommend, I'm certainly no spoilers on this, you, you have to go back to season one um, to try to pull it off. But it's probably... I think it's argued, not argue, yeah, I think it's the best written show on television now, although that's obviously subjective, but that, that, is, that is my take. Well, I'll tell you, based off the, the people and the, and the style of their lifestyles that you were just talking about, I don't need them anyway, man. There's already enough of those people walking around. I don't need those kind of folks. <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, yeah the, I think that the fictional family is worth like $46 billion, so oh, you geez. get a sense of it. You get a sense of it there. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Richard Dice from The Athletic with us. Richard, what are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? I know you got the uh, the sports media podcast coming on. Yeah, um, this week uh, I've, uh, I took a look at how ESPN is going to um, uh, do Brittany Griner's first game, mm. uh, which is Friday at 11 o'clock uh, Eastern time, so 8 o'clock Pacific uh, for you guys. And um, what else is coming up? I'll probably eventually do something on McAfee. I just got to figure out what. But, uh, yeah, piece I did today was that. And then also, uh, if you happen to be a horse racing fan, Fox actually made a pretty interesting hire. They, uh, they brought Tom Durkin out of retirement to call the Belmont Stakes. And Tom Durkin was, um, for like 20 years, probably the most famous race caller in horse racing. So they brought him back at age 72 to call the Belmont Stakes, which was, uh, which was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I mean, other than that, you know, just uh, – Hoping to wake up uh, tomorrow morning and the uh, the weather continues to be nice in Toronto, which uh, you know I have to be honest with you guys. Sometimes in May, it's colder than Cersei Lannister, so it's, it's <laughs> nice. To be here. Well, good stuff right there, Richard. We appreciate you, brother. Have a great one. You got it. See you guys. All right, there he goes, Richard Dice. Uh, from The Athletic, does a great job on Twitter at Richard Dice and with us here, the Sports Media Podcast. You can't stop by laughing. Oh, no, because when we were doing, when I was making, like, whoa, what would be a good intro for Richard? Yeah. yeah he said colder than Cersei Lannister from Game of Thrones. Obviously, you didn't watch. But I was yeah. thinking about using a, a Cersei clip, and I was like, no, 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 let's do the Macho Man thing. But uh, he would definitely would have appreciated the Cersei clip, too. I'm telling you, man, you uh, you guys, you, you run in a circle of folks that watch some shows that I don't know nothing about, and that's more, probably a me thing and not more of a you thing. But it's so funny that everyone gets your references to every movie and every TV show except for me. I'm the only swinging D that has no clue what the hell you guys are talking about. I was, you know what I was watching last night? I finished with my work a little early and I was like, oh, wife, let's watch some TV. You know what we watched? 
Not Vanderpump Rules, I'll tell you that. No, you, I'll give you one guess of what I watched last night. The game? No, that was already over. Oh. The game was already over. I, I finished my work early. You know I finish, I always end up super late every night. So. Was it just a rerun or something? Yes. I don't know what, Martin? First Prince? No, Law & Order SVU. Oh, my God. I forgot. <laughs> I don't know how you can forget. Did you, did you, have you already seen that episode before? Well, of course so many I of already them. seen it, but I was watching it anyway because it's always interesting. That's what I did. Stabler. Oh, my God. Ah, Stabler. It wasn't Stabler's episode. Uh-huh. Stabler's already gone. He's on that other show now. He's on that crossover edition. And I did see a commercial, a new commercial for Law & Order. How about that? But that's what I go to. That's my, that's my bag. That's what I'm watching. If I'm not watching sports, I'm watching Law & Order. As for you. It's just that simple. That's what I do. Last night's episode was pretty good. I didn't know Amanda was pregnant again. I, I, I didn't realize that she, was, uh, she had a baby on the way. It was pretty funny, though, because the dude who got her pregnant, they were at this, uh, they were at this restaurant, right? And he poured a bottle of wine. He poured her, her favorite wine, and she didn't drink any of it. And so he looked at her like, what's wrong? Why aren't you drinking? And she goes, I forget his name. I'm pregnant. And he's like, oh, okay. And he acted like he was real happy and everything. And he's like, well, it's your decision on whatever you want to do. But, uh, you know, I'll take you to the clinic. Got a couple thousand dollars. We can get that taken care of. I was like, damn, dog. he didn't even give that chance to breathe. He was like, I know how this is going to end. I was like, at this point, man, this show has gotten a little too intense for me. I need to go. What do you mean a little too intense? It's always been too intense. I was trying to lay it down and go to bed, man. I was trying to get to sleep. I wasn't trying to. I wasn't trying to go there at that at that time of night, man. I'm, I'm you know, sometimes you gotta, you gotta take it in. That is not the show. Before I go to bed, I'll knock out a couple of episodes of SVU. It was only one. Every episode is so intense. I'm a big Live fan, man. I like Live. You know, not the golf. I like Liv uh, Benson. I mean, she gets the job done. She's she's no, she's cool. She's cool because she's so you know whatever. She's so Liv. I'm an Ice T fan too. I'm so I'm an Ice T. I, I man, Finn Finn is my guy, right? Maybe that's why Finn Detective Tutuola. Maybe that's why Finn, who's who's our new guy that came in from UNLV. Maybe that's why I get along with him so well. We call him Finn. That makes all sense of the world. Lucky he didn't call him Carusi or something. We called him Carusi, he would be out. You know, Carusi's not my favorite guy. Okay, just. <laughs> 422 is the time. We'll take a quick break. Many thanks to Richard. We do appreciate him. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. 702-365-9200. That's the Raider Nation listener line. Also, the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. We have no guests the rest of the show, so we're wide open like some old school TV antennas, which if you can get the theme of the show today, the TV antennas are really going out, right? Been a lot of streaming talk. A lot of, uh, you know, coming into the 2023 talk, not too many TV antennas we'll be talking about soon. But we're wide open, like some old school TV antennas, at the point. Throughout the question, what type of production do you think is realistic expectations for the Raiders rookie class, either as a whole or individual players? I like to look at the whole class as a, you know, as a whole just to, to see, you know, okay, that was a pretty good draft class. I feel like it was solid coming out of the draft. Obviously, we don't know what it looks like until we actually see the players on the field and what they provide. I think Tyree Wilson's going to be a good player. I really do. I'm excited about him. But I've seen a lot of people hit us up and say seven, eight, nine sacks. Like, I think that that's a lot, but that's just me. I also have gotten, what, DeMond 50, 60 catches, 600, 700 yards for Michael Mayer and five or six touchdowns. I think that's a lot, too. Like, I feel like there's a lot of the numbers are really high. Like, some people are so high on some of these players that your expectations are really high, and I don't know how realistic that is, right? I think that they can all contribute in a, in a good, good way, good manner, and you could tell that they're going to be a good player. I just don't expect the numbers 
the actual numbers to be monstrous. But again, that's just me. So that's why we throw the question out there and ask you at 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187 keyword RNR. I'm excited to see when Ja'Korian Bennett gets on the field. I don't think he's going to start the season as a cornerback, but I think that at some point he'll be a starter in that in that Raiders defense. And so I'm excited about that. But again, you don't know when he's going to get onto the field. So if I were to say, well, he's got to get two or three interceptions this year. Well, I don't know. I mean, is he playing five games or is he playing 15 games? So I don't know. To put it into context with the people who want Tyree Wilson to have a high sack total, in the past two previous drafts, you know, doing this research here on the fly, Micah Parsons led his draft class in 2021 with 13 and a half sacks, right. obviously. You know, he's, he's on, a, he's, different, he's yeah, a different dude. He's yeah. on pace to be an all-timer right. when it comes to, you know, coming off the edge. And in last year's draft, Aiden Hutchinson led the rookie draft class with nine and a half. Second was James Houston, and he had eight. But his, I feel like it, they all came in four games because he came on late towards the end of the season. So Aiden Hutchinson, the best edge guy, the number two overall pick in last year's draft, only nine and a half sacks. So basically, if, if Tyree is to get eight sacks, I'm not saying that he couldn't, but he would be, it would be, you know, looking at the numbers, hey, he's the best guy come to getting off to the quarterback in the rookie class. Right. Right, exactly. And I don't, and I, for me personally, I think it's going to take some time for him to come on when it comes to getting on the field and getting right because I do think that that injury, not as serious as people think, but it will be that him getting acclimated to the NFL process. Right. I, I agree with you. I agree. And I, I just want to see how he grows with Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. I think that's a good, I think that's good, right? To have those guys uh, there to help you as well. I think that that's going to go a long way with Tyree Wilson. Got a bunch of texts I want to read, though. East Bay Raider Gray, we were talking about. 2022's draft class, and I thought that, you know, getting a lot of production out of Dylan Parham, getting some production from Thayer Mufford, that was a good start. Uh, the, the draft class, I guess, would, I would just say is okay. Those are the two guys out of six that really had some production. So East Bay Raider Gray said, suggestion, compare the class to the previous ones. Two players out of six contributing last year is not so good. How did the 2018 and 2019 class do? Uh, that's from East Bay Raider Gray. Uh, the 2019 class, I would say, is a, it was a good class. Right, I mean, you've had you you got guys like Josh Jacobs. Well, okay, let me take that back. The 2019 class for the guys that are still on the roster <laughs> is a good class, but there's guys that were misses, obviously. Cleve Furls now in San Francisco. Jonathan Abrams like on team what three or four, right? I mean, he went to after the Raiders, he went to Green Bay, went team to Saddle, four. He went to, yeah, he's on team four already. So that tells you what you need to know. Trayvon Mullen, he's on team like I don't know eight or whatever. You know, he's been from the four, from the Raiders to the Cardinals to the Cowboys. To the Ravens, I think he's with the – oh, no, to the, the Ravens, then the Cowboys, then back to the Ravens. So he's been on a bunch of teams. Uh, but, you know, obviously 2019 produced Max Crosby, fantastic. 2019 produced Hunter Renfro, great. Right, I mean, there's good players that came out of 2019 class, but the overall whole class wasn't real good. Uh, it was just a couple of individual players. Of course, Josh Jacobs did a hell of a job also, and he's uh, holding the franchise tag right now. I don't know. I'm, 2019, I, you, like you mentioned, also Foster Morrow. Yeah, where, but he's no, know, longer, he's no longer with the team. But, but I mean, he's a good player. You can only keep players for so long. Did he get a second contract with the Raiders? No. Or was that all his first? No, it was all his first. All his first contract. But for me, it's like there were still some good players. When you Who was all at, in that class? Let me give me two seconds. I know Cleveland Farrell was Clee number Farrell, one pick. Josh Jacobs, and Josh Abel. Abel. That was round one. Trayvon Mullen, second Trayvon round. Mullen, okay, so you got Clee's gone. Jay, uh, um, Abram is gone. Mullen is gone. Who else? Max Crosby still on the team. Got Isaiah it. Johnson out of the gone. league. Yep. Foster Morrow. He's gone. Hunter Renfro. He's there. And Quentin Bell had four games for the Atlanta Falcons. Gone. <laughs> so <laughs> last season. There you go. So what? Seven guys out of what? Ten are gone. Yes. Yeah. 
But I don't know. Sometimes when it comes to like the, even if you guys say Foster is good, yeah. Where like six out of ten are gone because let's say <laughs> even in a perfect world, if you hit on you know all seven guys, you probably wouldn't be able to keep all seven guys. No, you're right about that. You're right about that. But you know you want to have the options to say, hey, I'm about to let a really good player go. They didn't let a really good player go in Trayvon Mullen. They didn't let a really good player go in Isaiah Johnson. They didn't let a really good player go in Quentin Bell. They didn't let a really good player go in Clee Farrell. They didn't let a really good player go in Jonathan Abram. You know what I mean? Like that's that's mm-hmm. that's the point. They they didn't let really good players go. More often than not, it was just that they were I right players. And I like Trayvon Mullen. He just got injured. And once he got injured, he kind of went to, you know, and went, then went downhill. 2020, as we all know, Amik is the only He's the player. only one. He's the last of the Mohicans, man. So that's that And he was the last class. one drafted. Right. Exactly. And he was, what, a fifth-round pick? I want to say fourth. Okay. And he was the last one selected? So that was the last pick was in, in the fourth round? I think I remember that because they traded up, right? Yes, he was the last. So Henry Ruggs, Damon Arnett, gone, Lynn gone, Bowden Jr., gone. Brian Edwards. Yeah. Tanner Muse. Yeah. And John Simpson. Yeah, that's right. Simpson was was okay until he wasn't. Tanner and, and Lynn Bowden never made the field for the Raiders in, in a in a real game. Hell, Lynn Bowden didn't make it out of training camp, right? Mm-hmm. Tanner Muse never made it onto the field during a regular season game. So, yeah, those those are bad. But I don't want to just dwell on the past, but uh, just kind of re- reference to East Bay Raider Gray's uh, text. Uh, Robin Oakland. When I lived on the East Coast, I was told by the building supervisor I couldn't have a satellite dish. That may or may not have been true or legal. My friend and I bypassed the lock to get to roof access, put up a direct TV satellite dish, and ran hundreds of feet of cable into our apartments by accessing the drop ceiling and drilling through the cinder blocks in our wall. I didn't miss a single Raiders game while I lived there. The thought of having YouTube randomly go out on me makes me want to vomit. I don't have the patience to deal with streaming issues when it comes to football. That's Rob in Oakland. And salute to you, Rob. Salute to Rob. If that's not the ultimate hustler right there, I don't know what is. You know, like, I don't know about you, Damon. You probably have never done this, but, I mean, I remember one time when I lived on my own, I lived across the street from the radio station. It was, like, four of us that lived, worked at the radio station all lived together, and we didn't have electricity, and we ran a we ran a, 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 a extension cord to our neighbor's house. <laughs> we, were, we were juicing them for their electricity, and we had cables running. That's all I can picture when Rob is, you know, got a wire going through the roof, and he's drilling. And I'm thinking of MacGyver, right? Yeah, I'm thinking of, you exactly. Know, I'm like, man, this dude is awesome. I need a friend like Rob. Rob needs to come kick it at that. I think Vegas Jess has skills like that, too. So that, that's another reason we kick it, because Vegas Jess, He's got those kind of hustler skills, but Rob needs to come to the house and hang out for a while. Yeah, because I was going to say I, I also don't have the skills, but I don't think I have the want to to get cable that bad. Oh, no, I, I, I want you got to. The, you I got desire, the want to? Yeah, I just don't have the skills. I don't have the skills. Hell, I don't have the skills to do a lot of things, <laughs> right? The wife, the wife is like, yeah, you damn right you don't. You do what you want to do. <laughs> you do what you want to do, and you do that really well, and what you don't want to do, you don't do. Yeah, because if my roommate were to tell me, hey, man, all we got to do is get up to the roof of the apartment complex, run about, you know, dr- drill a couple holes, get 100 feet of cable, I'd be like, yo, man, we can watch the game at the bar on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> no, you're right about that, but that's awesome. Shout out to Rob, man. Salute to Rob. That's good stuff. I like that. That is really, really good. Uh, let's see. Who else did we get? Um, speaking of de- – uh, oh, yeah, we already did that one. Uh, Operator Raider hit us on the don'tbebroke.com text line. Byron Young is a day one starter. I I, I can see that. I can see that. No, I, I can't. I think he's got to obviously earn it in camp, as everybody does, but I could definitely see him being a day one starter. I think we've had – how many people on this? Like, this dude's not going to be flashy. Mm-hmm. He's just going to play in the league for 10 years and be solid. Yeah. I'm okay with that. The a, ultimate a, compliment. A 10-year solid player 
is a good player in my book. Like we said before, you don't need to be a 10. You just give me a, a, a consistent seven. I'll take that. I'll take that every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Yeah, I, I would just I would love to see that for Byron Young. But for me, I know if he is that good, mm-hmm. Butler, Farrell, come on, guys. That would be I the. Think they got, hey, man, I think their stones are against the wall. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think they got to really bust it to get onto the field. I'm not saying, you know, obviously you want all your teammates to succeed, but they should be thinking, my job's on the line yeah. if he comes out in training camp and outworks me. I hope they think that. I hope every player in that locker room outside of Max Crosby and Devontae Adams thinks that, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's when you get the most out of your guys is when they fear for their job. Do you know that there is a time – Honestly, I still get this way. As many shows as I've done, and I couldn't tell you how many shows I've done, I still at certain points get to, hey, man, I better have a good show or someone's going to call me in the office and be like, hey, dude. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? And I'm not on their level at all. I mean, this is a whole different ballgame. But if there's ever a time where you feel like I've really got to make sure I step my game up and I'm at the top of my game, that's a good thing because that means that you're going to bring the best and you're not going to try to half-ass it. Right? You're going to bring everything you got every single time. If you can get in that mindset, and it's difficult to do, especially when they're on that level, not our level. We're, we're, we're peons compared to what they got going on. But when they get to that level, they feel like, what? Oh, we made it. Mm-hmm. Right? They're all celebrated, especially like rookies. Right? They're all celebrated on draft day. And I always say it all the time, man, getting to the league is one thing. Staying is the other thing. Yeah, because we always see it when you watch Hard Knocks. You don't want to be the right. Bring your playbook, <laughs> right? Nobody wants to be that guy. No, and then I, know. I, I think when when players get drafted, I would want to say fourth round and above. Mm-hmm. You think that I'm good for at least three years, man? You know, that's what they feel I probably, like. That's probably the mindset. You yeah. know, at least two or three years. You know, they drafted me this high, even right. like a top hundred player, top hundred pick. Well, it's funny, and that's why I really respect Tyree Wilson is when I talked to him immediately after the draft and I had asked him about, you know, what do you know about Vegas? And he started talking about, oh, you know, it's it's got the bright lights. It's all, you know, got this entertainment, this, that, and the other. And I uh, said, it's a little bit different than, you know, East Texas. Oh, yeah, but I'm just there for business, right? And there's people that took that wrong. They're like, I don't like that answer. I was like, I love that answer. I love that answer. And, and it's funny, what he did immediately after getting drafted, this guy went and got on a plane, a private plane that the team sends for you, and usually your whole family gets on the plane with you and everyone goes and they're, you know, celebrating you and they're looking around. They want to see the facilities. Tyree Wilson showed up to the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center by himself. No family, no friends. He got there, got in there, talked to who he had to talk to, do whatever he had to do, and, and, and got the playbook. That's what he was get down to business. It wasn't about, oh, I made it, I'm, I'm this, that, and the other. I'm ready to get to work. That is what I, gets me excited. Does that mean that he's going to be a Hall of Famer? No, not at all. Does that mean that he's going to be super successful Rookie of the Year? No. But it gives him an opportunity. It lets you know where at least his mind is right away. Like, my dumb self, let me be 21 years old and just all of a sudden get drafted into some situation like this, and I know I'm about to make generational wealth. You know what I'm going to do? I ain't going to look for that plane to go to, to my job. I'm going to look to go to the Cadillac dealership. <laughs> right? That's, and I ain't going to lie. At that age, I wouldn't have the maturity to be able to do that. I, I wouldn't. That's why I've been broke my whole life. They knew what they were doing. Like people always, yeah. you know, you always say like, oh, why does the guy do some dumb stuff? You know, why do these guys dress like that? Because the wife tells me all the time, oh, if you had money like that, you'd, you'd dress stupid too. I was like, no, I wouldn't. She's like, yeah, you would. <laughs> 800 for a Gucci shirt? Nah, I got it. Right. I, I was like, no, I don't even like that kind of stuff. She's like, all right, fine. You'd, you'd, you'd find something Nike that you'd wear that is ridiculous and you shouldn't get it, but you'd get it because you can. I was like, no. You think I, and she's like, yeah, I do. I was like, okay, well. You probably know better than I do. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, certain people have a mindset where it's, it's, it's mature at a younger age. I'm old now, so I can be mature. 
I wouldn't have been that guy at 21 years old getting drafted. No, I'm about to make. I mean, he just signed a what a four year deal with a fifth year option, 27 million guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Come on now. I could already tell. Like even with the the status that I am now, if I had that, I would be the S O M E guy. <laughs> I can already tell. Yo, you be y'all. Vince Young. You be yeah, Vince, yeah. Vince Young at Applebee's. Oh, round of shots for everybody. You sure about? No, it's on me. Right. I got this. Do you know who I am? First round. M- man. First round. <laughs> One could only wish, right? One could only wish. <laughs> Unbelievable. Right now, the wife's driving home. She's like, oh, man, this guy. He going to go out somewhere and talk about drinks on him all night. No, no, no. It ain't. No, it ain't. Uh, Operator Raider said, bold prediction, Dalton Wagner and McClendon Curtis will win starting jobs and hold down the right side of the offensive line. Those are two guys that were undrafted free agents, one out of Arkansas, one out of Chattanooga. We've done uh, little profiles on both of those guys, and those guys are going to get high expectations. They really will. The reason is that you know that they're going to get high expectations. They got a lot of undrafted money. They got they For undrafted free agents, they were signed to some pretty decent contracts. And those are some guys that you think are going to have at least an opportunity to go and compete during camp. Are they? Does that mean that they're going to win the starting jobs? No. But obviously the Raiders felt pretty highly about them to give them the kind of coin that they did as undrafted free agents. So uh, thank you so much for that text. I do appreciate you. That's Operator Raider. You can keep those texts coming at 702 or call at 702-365-9200 or the don'tbebroke.com text sign 69187 keyword r What type of production do you think is realistic expectation for the Raiders rookie class, either as a whole or individual players? Plus, we'll dip into the NBA playoffs as uh, the Lakers and Nuggets game two is this evening as well as we close out the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. I know what you're saying, but you're you're not hearing what I'm saying. You're not hearing me. I you're stuck you. in your zone, and I you won't allow you. yourself to listen. I am hearing you. No, 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 no. There's a difference between hearing and listening. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. 4.46 is the time. Got a few minutes left in today's show. Thank you so much for all the feedback that we received on the don'tbebroke.com text line. 69187, keyword R&R, and also... The Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. Did want to dip into some NBA playoff talk. We talked about YouTube and the issues that they had last night in the Heat's victory over the Boston Celtics. But just, DeMond, talking about the game in general, what were your thoughts on the fact that the Boston Celtics were what looked like beating the brakes off Miami only to, well, have Jason Tatum not score a point, not even attempt a field goal in the fourth quarter, and Miami steal game one and all of a sudden look up and say, you know what, this Heat, this heat team has an opportunity to go to the Eastern Conference Finals or Eastern, represent the Eastern in the finals. All right, my three observations from that game one, as I've been saying for weeks now, the lights are too bright for Joe Mazzula. I mean, the you com- can't stand Joe I'm Mazzula. Just saying, I'm just saying the lights too you bright. You like him as much as I like Jordan Poole. I'm just saying the lights too bright for the brother. Eric Spostra, maybe the best coach in the league, to come out in that third quarter where they put up 45 points. Mm-hmm. The adjustments that he saw from the first half to come out and execute in that in that third quarter. He's phenomenal. such an underrated coach. Yeah. So underrated. I, I know for myself, I didn't give him a lot of credit early on because he had LeBron and D Wade and Chris Bosch, but this dude can coach. And to only have really Jimmy Butler as your alpha. And to be able to do what you're doing, he, he's a hell of a coach. And then the defense, they put the clamps on Jason Tatum in that fourth quarter. I know it's what he only had four shots in the second half. Right. But a lot of those times, he had like he also had three travels in that fourth quarter alone. Where it's just one was like that up and down. He yeah. thinks he's going to go up for the shot. Yep. Comes down. No, no, buddy. That's a travel. Where a lot of those times, just the Heat's defense on Jason Tatum was just phenomenal. You, if you're Tatum, though, you've got to get a shot off. You've got to get multiple shots off, right? You're the alpha. You had a hell of a game if you just look at the stats. 
If you look at the point score, it's like, wow, Tatum had a great game. No, he didn't. Yeah, because that fourth quarter down that the stretch. That fourth quarter, he didn't do anything. Locked him up. Turned him, turned over and, and did nothing. That can't happen. That can't happen. So how do you think Boston bounces back, or do you think they don't? Do you think Miami's in the driver's seat now? Miami's in the driver's seat because obviously, you know, winning game one, take one, you know, on the road. They haven't been down a series all playoffs. And I do think that Boston is going to come back and respond. Obviously, you got to get one inside the garden. But I'm really liking Miami in this series now they got game one. I mean, there's there's been a stat that uh, from ESPN Info or stats where they have won seven games where they've only won one out of four quarters. Really? No other team in the league in the past two years has more than – it's tied with them for seven. Where if you can win seven games just off the strength of winning one quarter, mm-hmm. that shows that when they're dialed in, they're dialed in. Yeah, no, they really are. They're tough to kill. They're that team that's not going away. And I don't know why I'm so – I don't want to say late to join the party, but I still – something about it, I feel like Boston's going to find a way to pull this series out. I think Jason Tatum's going to be that much better, especially when it matters the most. Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. I mean, these guys, I think that they're difference makers. Al Horford's not going to play like he did. I don't think in game one, I think he'll really step up. But uh, you could be right, man. And it's funny because Miami's been denied ever since the play-in tournament, and all they keep doing is winning. Even when it was down to – I remember being in Kansas City for the draft, and I was sitting there at – wherever I was sitting at, whatever that restaurant is that I always go to, I was sitting there watching the game, and Miami was out. Right, they were done. All of a sudden, Jimmy Buckets comes up with a couple unbelievable plays right when the clock was about to expire, and they're well, they're still playing. So, yeah, they're, Miami is Miami's tough to kill, man. That's for sure. I think people also forget that last year this was the exact same Eastern Conference Finals matchup that went to seven. Yeah, these teams. I think this is three years in a row now since the bubble right. that they played each other in the Eastern Conference Finals. Well, Miami Heat, man, the Heat culture is real. That's that's something that cannot be denied. I just for some reason I believe that Boston's a better team, but we'll see. You know, they they obviously drop game one. Uh, they have to win game two. If they go back to Miami and they're down uh, 0-2, they're in trouble, right? Because Miami is going to really be feeling themselves. It's funny uh, that, that Jimmy Butler, after the game, was asked, well, you know, when you play like that and, and you, uh, you, know, you slow down Jason Tatum like you did, uh, what does that do for your confidence? I was like, confidence? Do you understand Miami's the most confident team in the league? Like, they ain't worried. They don't need no, nothing to prove that they're confident. They don't need something to improve their confidence. They already got it. Jimmy Butler, of all people, is probably the most confident dude. LeBron James, is co- all these guys are confident, but Jimmy Butler is on another level. He's like, there ain't nothing I can't do. Uh, did you see the the ESPN info where the, the analytics had him a 3% chance to win? Mm-mm. Oh, so it was like, oh, ESPN, they had Boston. Boston has a 97% yeah. chance to win this series. Right. Obviously before game one. Right. Adonis Haslam was asked about that, and he just said, we don't care about the uh, – the analytics or the the <laughs> the the whole you know, holotics. He was like, we don't care about none of that. Good you even him. got forty year old UD talking like we don't care about none of that. Right, it's just the don't. mentality that this team has. Yeah, no, you're right about that. I like that. So uh, there you go. The Miami Heat they're up one zero on uh, the Boston Celtics. They'll see game two. That's going to be really interesting. Speaking of game two tonight, you've got the Lakers in Denver. Denver was beating the brakes off them. In game one. Like, it looked like it was done deal records. And then all of a sudden, the L.A. Lakers come storming back and looked like they were going to steal that game. And, boy, how Denver would have felt. DeMond, Denver played just about a, a, a perfect game and still barely won that game. If I'm Denver, I'm pretty concerned going into game two tonight. I don't know. I think the Lakers should be more concerned. Why? Because, okay, but Anthony Davis – that was one of the best games. We always right. say, hey, he's every other game. He's that's every-. true. So that was they wasted one of his good games. That's true. I think I that's see that. I think that's one of the 
man, are we going to get that performance from Anthony Davis throughout the rest of this series? Well, Denver's not very good at protecting the rim. That's the one thing that I knew was going to be a factor. Like, if he can be on, he can have a really good series because Denver, even though they have length, they're not good at protecting the rim. This morning, I had Jack Bond on our show, Locked On Bets. Usually it's Lee Sterling, as you heard on the show many times, and we were talking about tonight's game. Well, Denver is five-and-a-half-point favorites in this one. Uh, Jack Bond, he was talking about this game. and was talking about this being the wrong team favorite. That was the category. So, obviously, he's leaning the Lakers' direction in, in game two tonight. And I started off just asking him, like, hey, what do you think about this game? Denver was beating the brakes off the Lakers. The Lakers stormed back. They fought. They clawed. They did everything they can fast and furious to try to come back, but came up just a little bit short. So, how do you see this game shaking out tonight? I think you're right, Q. That furious comeback in game one, I think it was a good omen for Lakers fans coming into game two. Look, the playoffs are all about making adjustments in in game and between games. Look at last night. The Heat were getting blasted and came out in the third quarter and outscored the Celtics to take game one there. I mean, it's no shock to say that Eric Spolster might be the best coach in the NBA, but it goes to show you how important those in-game and game-to-game adjustments can be. Now, in the second half of game one, Lakers head coach Darvin Ham put Rui Hachimura on Nikola Jokic, which allowed Anthony Davis to sit in the paint and just wait for Jokic or any other Nugget player that beat their defender to contest the shot. That adjustment almost led them all the way back to that upset win. Uh, Can the Nuggets role players really keep it up? I mean, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and Aaron Gordon Gordon are all shooting over 38% from behind the arc. You know Jokic is going to bring it on that end, but will they continue to play at this high level? I I don't think so. I I expect at least two of the three role players for the Lakers, though, you know, between Lonnie Walker, Austin Reeves, and Rui Hachimura, to now know what it's like to play in the playoffs and to step up their game in a game two like tonight. I don't think the Lakers will be fakers tonight. Lakers plus the five and a half points and a sprinkle of some of your bet on the money line for a nice score tonight. Wrong team's favored. Boom, there it was right there. So uh, he believes the wrong team is favored. The Denver Nuggets are five-and-a-half-point favorites. He thinks that the Lakers can at least cover. I think the Lakers have an opportunity to win this one, and I haven't gone with the Lakers side of things at all so far in the playoffs, but I do think the Lakers have an opportunity in tonight's Game 2 matchup with the Denver Nuggets. So it should be really interesting to see how it shakes out. Of course, we'll be back here tomorrow uh, to talk about that. We'll talk all things NFL. We'll talk all things Raiders. We'll have plenty of great guests. And, of course, Raider Nation will talk to you as well. 702-365-9200 and also on the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword R. We've got uh, Upon Further Review coming up next here on Raider Nation Radio 920. So Raider Talk will continue. And then make sure you're waking up with the morning tailgate. Vinny Bonsignor, Clay Baker, Lindsey Brown, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Have a great evening.